Hi, I'm Homer Hargrove and I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. I hope that today's message inspires you and that connecting with our church family today truly makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Grave Top Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. Um, and uh, we've been uh, uh, going through our series, By Grace, By Grace. And this has been a fun series, right? We just really have been unpacking pr- uh, what grace is um, theologically. We looked last week about how grace uh, applies to us specifically. And today we're going to be talking about grace being extended to others. The title of today's message is, How Could They? How could they? You ever have a moment like that? Yeah. How could they do this? And I really believe that God calls us to extend grace unto others. And in order to do that, we need God's grace ourselves. And so this is a, a very multifaceted idea. And I hope that today inspires you to see others through the eyes and uh, through the eyes of God's grace and to be able to see potential to find redemption and reconciliation in broken relationships and broken situations because of this deeper understanding of grace. And so to unpack this idea of grace today, we're going to look at a, a book called Philemon. Philemon. It's, a, it's kind of not necessarily a popular book uh, of the Bible. Um, it's one single chapter, and it's a letter that Paul writes to a person named Philemon. And uh, I'm going to just get, uh, get right into reading this. But be, uh, before I do, let, let me just say this. Before I do, have y'all not been feeling like this month you've been needing God's grace? Has it not been like perfect timing? <laughs> because uh, the grace, I mean, even for me last night, I was just sharing with our core team that uh, last night, it, out of all the times for it to be cold outside, out of all the times that we, me and my wife were like, you know what, let's just, let's just go take the kids and get a haircut. It's, it's a little bit, it's already about to be dark, but let's just do it. Let's get their first haircut. And then we get there, get the haircuts and everything, and then get back. Uh, we're about to go back in the car, and we have to get ready for the meeting that we're having. And um, we also have to put all the kids down to sleep, and et cetera. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I go to start the car, and the battery's dead. What? And, and it's one thing when it's like uh, the middle, of, it's like nighttime, but then you got your kids with you. And I was like... This is unfortunate. <laughs> Last Saturday, I had car troubles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that there's a, a spirit of mechanical malfunction going around, right? <laughs> and it, it's just uh, I feel like it, it's just like moments like that to where um, we would normally get frustrated or even emotional, where we can just like really like just sit back, breathe for a moment, like God, I can trust in Your grace. And praise God, I was able to get up early and go get us a new battery to be able to uh, come to church today. So, yeah, it it all worked out in the end. It all worked out, even though AutoZone just so happened didn't have the cheap batteries. But (laughs) I'm like, oh, sorry, we only got these expensive ones in stock. (laughs) But uh, I didn't have time to go back home and get a ski mask to rob them. So I just ended up paying for it. Uh, But... (laughs) So I guess they robbed me, if you think about it. <laughs> uh, so all that to say that I really believe that um, it, it's a spiritual essence when uh, it's almost like we're going through these series, and it's like, man, there's, uh, we've been counseling and talking to so many people, and there's just this, 
this overwhelming uh, uh, obviousness that, that we need God's grace right now. If you've been going through it, just know that you are not alone. Other people are going through it too. And I really believe it in moments like that where we're all going through something, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. So we should remind ourselves that we battle against the spirit, not against flesh and blood. Um, so now let, me, now let me get into this story. We're going to start off in Philemon, uh, only chapters, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And, uh, and to give a backdrop, um, well, I'll just read it and then explain. So it says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner, for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus. And from our brother Timothy, I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. So, backdrop, Paul is in prison. All right, so we can understand that Paul probably needs some grace right now. He needs some grace. And he's writing to Philemon, who is a, a, a church leader, and uh, I believe it's a church of uh, Colossians. So Colossia, that, that Philemon allows the church to meet in his home. Okay, so he's an influential member of the church who shares his home for the people to meet in his church, uh, for, for the people to meet in his house, which gives a level of leadership that he has within the church. It goes on to say, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. So we're seeing that Philemon seems to be the standout citizen that, uh, within the church that Paul, that you, again, the Apostle Paul is commending him. Paul is, uh, did a pretty great job when he commends someone that, that's a very honorable thing to receive because of all that Paul has done. For him to take notice of Philemon and say, I notice that, God has given, that Jesus is giving you grace and peace because I always think and pray for you because I keep hearing about your faith. So not only is Paul recognized Philemon's faith, but other people are talking shop about Philemon in a good way, saying how great he is and how much he does for the church and how, uh, notice that it says, and your love for all of God's people. People do not say that about you unless you're genuine, right? It's one thing like, oh, they're a great preacher, right? <laughs> they're a great teacher. They're, oh, they're great. But when someone says, man, they just love people, that shows that Philemon was a genuine person, a genuine and authentic person. That's rare to come by, isn't it? Now, look what it says next. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. It, the re I want to make it clear about who Philemon is. We're, we're seeing all of this building up of who he is. We're seeing that he is a genuine, bona fide Christian, that he is being the hands and feet of Jesus. He, he's saying that, you, uh, Philemon, you're generous, yet let people meet in your home. You're doing all these good works, and you're a genuine person who shows the love of God to others. People really feel loved when they're around you, right? Now, look what it says next. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. 
I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer to simply ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Man, Paul's really painting it, right? <laughs> he's going in the paint right there. <laughs> he's like, he's like I, I could demand because it's the right thing to do. This is really the Christian thing to do, Philemon. And also, I'm an old man asking for a favor. I'm in prison, Philemon. I'm, I'm going through it. And I ask you just this one favor as I am in these shackles. <laughs> this old man withered and gray. I ask you this one favor, Philemon. And then he says this. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. Now let me give some backdrop about who Onesimus is. Onesimus, uh, Onesimus is a bondservant of Philemon that ran away. Now that. I want to give some definition uh, uh, elaboration here. So any uh, different translations use different verbiage. Th I'm using the NLT translation, and it will translate simply to slave. But in these terms, it is actually referring to a most likely scenario is a bond servant. So the difference in, in that is the concept of slave that we have is, of course, incredibly negative. In fact, Scripture completely goes against slavery. All throughout the Old Testament, it was God denouncing slavery, especially from what we know in American history. Okay, so the Bible made it abundantly clear to the point where they, uh, people in, uh, in the past would literally create what they called slave Bibles, which were Bibles that, were, that took all of the empowerments and all of the, 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 the legal aspects that God would implement about slavery to, to protect people, to liberate people, and they would take all of those things out so that, that the people who were enslaved would not know that, that, that God was against slavery. Okay, so I want to make that abundantly clear so we understand the context of Philemon and Onesimus' relationship. The most likely scenario is him being, a, Onesimus was a bondservant. What that is, is someone that would go to, to someone who uh, had some type of wealth, some type of uh, uh, um, business, and they would offer their, servant, their servitude, their, their, their work, for a duration of time for money, Right? or for a lump sum loan. And so this was a, a very common practice. Uh, it was like the uh, original um, personal loans back in the day. You're, again, this is in a time where there's not like this uh, 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 specific cash system. There was no banks or things like that. And so people would get personal loans a lot. And that was called a bond servant, that you'd become a bond servant. That's why it's a bond. You're getting something in order to, uh, uh, in return, giving uh, a servanthood. And so, wow. So imagine the scenario where Onesimus comes to Philemon and uh, making this, this application to become a bondservant because he needs the money. And Philemon, um, again, we, we just looked about how Philemon is a standout Christian, right? So Philemon, what I see is him doing uh, 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 this generous act saying, okay, we could work something out. And while Onesimus is in the middle of, of this period of serving. 
he steals from Philemon and runs away. And so he steals money from him, steals belongings from him, and then ditches on his, on his agreement. So that is why Paul is saying in this scripture that he hasn't been much of use of you, to you in the past. <laughs> he's, he's, he's being polite, saying, I know that you know, things were a little rocky before, but he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you. So we see that Onesimus either met Paul before he was in prison or a more likely scenario, Onesimus is now in prison for something else he did. If he was in prison for being a runaway servant that skipped out on his bond, then he would have been immediately taken back to Philemon. And so he is most likely arrested for another charge, meets Paul in prison, and Paul brings him to Christ, converts Onesimus to Christ. And Paul is, is now projecting that he is now a brother in Christ and that uh, as soon as they get out, that he's going to send him back to you and with him comes my own heart. And so this scenario is either Onesimus got, gave his life to Christ in prison or Onesimus gave his life to Christ before Paul was in prison is in, and is now assisting Paul while he's in prison. Okay, these are the two kind of scenarios. It goes on to say, I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. Goes on to say, it seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. It's a powerful, powerful thing that Paul's saying. And look what it says at the end of this chapter, jumping to verse 25. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Why would he say that at the end? He's like, oh, that's just how Paul ends his letter. He's like, you're going to need God's grace on this one. <laughs> you're going to need God's grace on this one. So I want to start off by talking about um, the idea that not anyone is exempt. No, no one is exempt from having confrontations. Have you noticed that for some reason or another, we, we often believe that if you do good, nothing bad will happen to you. If you do good, Nothing bad will happen to you. See, we've kind of changed the idea of like when you do good, good will come to you. Yeah, that's, that's relatively true. But we've neglected the fact that even when you do good, bad can still happen. Bad can still happen. And I feel like it's important to understand that this story plays out as Philemon being the good guy. That plays out of him being the good guy being taken advantage of. Again, we know in Scripture... it. We know in scripture that the way that Paul is talking to Philemon is pleading with him, saying, he's saying, I know that you've done everything good, but I'm asking you to do this one other good thing. I know that you've already been exasperated in, your, in doing good works, but I want you to do another good thing because it's the right thing to do. And I want you to forgive. And I have found that I feel like so many, so many people who have been converted to Christianity, so many people who have become believers, we've been fed this idea 
that your life is going to just completely turn around and it's going to be way better for you. And don't get me wrong, the peace of God goes beyond all understanding. Like, peace of God, uh, I, I could go through more now as a Christian than I did before I was a Christian, and I feel God's peace, while before the very little I could handle before uh, with, as not a Christian, it would it'd send me over the edge. The peace of God sustains me. But so many so many people have been converted with the belief that God will simply fix all your problems. And we see in this story that Philemon, out of all the good that he's been doing, he's not exempt from another confrontation. And a seemingly complicated confrontation to where he has Paul the Apostle having this confrontation with him saying, because it's one thing to have just a confrontation with Onesimus and being like pissed off at what happened. But now you have Paul saying, look, I know, I know, but now I want you to do this for me. Uh, can you, don't you feel the undue pressure, <laughs> the confrontation of someone asking you to do something that you didn't necessarily want to do, and then telling you, it's the right thing to do. I really want you to do this. And just pleading with you to do this thing that is already hard for you to do again. Y'all feel that? We... We don't know the exact details for certain, but Onesimus seemed to have done Philemon wrong. And, and Philemon, in the act of his generosity, in the act of trying to do something good, Onesimus took advantage of that in a selfish and negative way. How many of you guys have had that happen to you before? <laughs> I remember one time when uh, me and Lauren, we had um, this teenager uh, live with us for a couple months. Um, when we were still back in Del Rio, and uh, it was just kind of one of those situations where he didn't really have like close family relationships, kind of dysfunctional home, would hop around from like one house to another, never felt like he belonged at, you know, these different places. So we, look, just, uh, you're, you're 18 now, just, you can move in with us, you can store up money for rent, and, uh, and that way you can get your own place. We want to help give you a level up, right? So we were, we were doing something generous, we were trying to do something kind, and I remember, uh, you know, it was just like, like, let's do this. It's the right thing to do. Let's help him out. I remember one time we got home and uh, we walked in and, uh, and one of, uh, this, this girl comes out of his room, like, like <laughs> fixing herself up. And we're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are y'all doing in our house? <laughs> and, and it was something just small, but I remember the feeling of like, man, we're trying to do something nice. And like, you're taking advantage of us. Like you're doing things that we don't want in our home. And you're, you're taking advantage of our generosity. I, I could give a lot more stories like that, but see, that's, that's a moment in which that, that Philemon is feeling where he was trying to do something good and he was taken advantage of. Almost everybody here can think of a moment like that. I, it shows us without a doubt that we are not exempt from confrontations no matter how Christian we are. It doesn't matter if you're saved or even super saved. You, you, you are not exempt from confrontation. We must really get that into our soul. And that is why Jesus tells us in Scripture, remember when he's telling to, talking to believers, and he is talking about if you have a confrontation, a conflict with your brother or sister in Christ, go and talk to them. And, and see, reconciliation, it, it, in order to have that, you have to have confrontation. That means you have to talk even if you don't want to talk. Y'all dig that? 
Because God's heart is reconciliation. God's heart is redemption. God's heart is forgiveness. And so now let us, let's go to the next point, which is potential in the pain. Every broken relationship has potential for redemption. Every broken relationship has potential for redemption. And I want to be clear that let me finish talking about this point before you start thinking in your head like, well, I guess I do need to get back with my ex. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> that's not it. Let me finish the point. See, Paul explains how God had changed the life in the heart of Onesimus. That, that he gives this long exhortation. He's, the reason that he's talking so much about Onesimus to Philemon is to convince Philemon that he has really changed. He's trying to convince him, no, he's really changed. God has saved his soul. He's not just saying it. He, he really has been incredibly helpful to me on my journey. And he, and he has no reason to. His heart, his genuine heart has changed. And the way that Paul is describing Onesimus is literally saying that Onesimus is unre- unrecognizable to how you lost, last saw him. The last time you saw him, he, he took what, what he didn't deserve and, and he was uh, he was selfish in how he acted toward you. And he said that he went, uh, he literally described Onesimus from being useless to useful as he became one of Paul's main supporters. I think that's incredibly powerful to see because it displays God's redemption. When I look at my life, I feel like Onesimus. I feel like I would take without cause. I was selfish. I was, I was greedy. I was hurtful. And I felt even like useless in the aspect to society or to, to anything good. Once I gave my life to Christ, I feel like I had this moment like Onesimus where I became unrecognizable. There was a genuine heart change. And all of a sudden, what was useless within me now became useful. Before I would take, now I am generous. Before I was hurtful, now I am helpful. And there's this, this complete change within my heart. And now... Paul is describing this genuine change and saying, and saying how Onesimus has become a main supporter, not just for Paul. He described it as, no, Onesimus helping me is helping the gospel message go out forth to other people. So he's lumping Onesimus in as being a worker of Christ just because he has been supporting Paul. Because Paul's saying, I wouldn't be able to do the things I am doing if it wasn't for the generosity of Onesimus. So, while the pain Onesimus dealt Philemon was not God's will, Paul projects that God turned that pain into a meaningful purpose by bringing him to salvation and major servanthood for the gospel. See, Paul's portrayal of him, I feel like it's similar to the way that Joseph's perspective of his brothers changed. See, he's saying, he's, he's saying that perhaps you lost him for a little while so that you may gain him back forever. Saying God had turned this, this painful experience you had and he's able to turn it into something beautiful. The Bible says that he takes our ashes. That means that things that are burned down and he's able to turn them into something beautiful. How many relationships have we experienced that feels like they have been burned to ashes? I mean, burned, <laughs> burned to ashes. And Paul is saying, perhaps it was burned down so something new could grow. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, when he finally had the moment to face his brothers again, 
I, I think about that a lot. I mean, I, I feel like with different scenarios, I, I feel like that the, there's that moment of seeing the way that Joseph saw. And he looked at his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. And what he's saying in that is, I am able to forgive you because God was able to change all of your pain into something beautiful. I can, I can have a perspective that is above our relationship because of what God has done in my life. I, I think about those moments. I, it, just the other day, I was talking with Lauren and I was like, you know, I feel like I've been able to see those things in the past where like with, when this happened, I was able to look at it like, you know what? God can intend this for good. But this last thing that happened, I don't know if I could see it that way. <laughs> I don't know if I could really see them like, God, it's okay. <laughs> God will, will tend this for good. I was like, no, I'm still kind of mad. <laughs> I'm actually furious with you. I, if I wasn't a Christian, I could imagine, I could literally imagine beating you up. <laughs> see, moments like that. And, and here Paul's saying, Onesimus, this, this relationship with you and Onesimus is able to be redemptive. It's able to be fruitful again. And I believe that the relationship is able to re be redeemed. But the roles can be different. See, notice that he says, no longer as boss and worker, no longer as a, as a, as a bondservant to you, but as a brother in Christ. See, he's saying y'all's relationship can be redeemed, but y'all's roles are going to be different in that relationship. And when it comes to opening your mind to being reconciled to a broken and burnt down relationship, I want you to see it like that, that there is God's redeem, redeeming power is able to bring something beautiful out of something burned down. But it doesn't mean that it has to look like it was before. So even in the scenario of like that, that toxic ex, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that doesn't mean... When I say reconciled a redeemed relationship in that, it doesn't mean that you just go back to the way things were. It doesn't mean that you go back in, in, into a romantic relationship with them. But, I, I mean, I've seen it so many countless times to where it's a toxic, toxic relationship, and they broke up, and then someone gave their life to Christ, and then they end up, not again, not getting back with that person, but being willing to have a conversation with that person, and then seeing the other person give their life to Christ and start going to church and find this, this whole new life. And it's like, wow, what a redemption moment to where they're not back together. But because of the reconciliation in just one heart, God was able to bring the other to Christ. And see, what does that take? It takes forgiveness. Now, let me make it abundantly clear that knowing God's potential for God to be able to do anything in a relationship. You must also know without a doubt that you do not have to subject yourself to the same treatment or role as before. You are never to be someone's doormat. You're not supposed to be a doormat. It, it makes me think about, um, I've shared before about my, uh, my experience going to a ministry school and how it was one of the most toxic experiences of my life. And that whole ministry was just like oozing with toxicity. You're talking about hundreds of people that, uh, that have this, this, this general consensus 
of having, needing to go to counseling, having thoughts of suicide, having just all of these negative outcomes from their experience at this one church, right? That's, that's pretty bad. And for me, there, there's, it, it took some time, but I was able to find that, that forgiveness by first learning what God has to say about me, not what others say about me. See, sometimes to, in order to find that forgiveness, you have to separate your, your identity from that person, from that group, from that place. And you're able to remind yourself what God says about you, not what others say about you. And, and I was able, once I found my, my stronger identity in Christ, I was able to find reconciliation and redemption through forgiveness. I was able to forgive with the simple idea that they don't know what they're doing. What did Jesus say on the cross? They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And truly, man, some people don't know what they do. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. People have no, we have no concept of how deep our wounds go. And if we were to look back, have there not been times where we need to be forgiven? I know that I need to be forgiven from much of much. And so it, 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 it provokes me to want to extend forgiveness to others. And I remember the moment where I was just, uh, I remember getting a, they went through a change of leadership and, you know, different things like that. And I remember getting a call, uh, uh, a um, call one day inviting me to go to this like pastor's network with, it, with this church. I experienced like all these thoughts of suicide from it. <laughs> and I was like, hell no, <laughs> with a capital H and a capital N. <laughs> and and I remember talking to my wife about it, talking about some people from the church and like, you should just go. It's a, it's so great opportunity. You're not, you know, you don't have to like subject yourself. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to. I, I remember feeling anxious at the thought of them even communicating with me. I'm talking about like, like feeling trauma like that when you get anxiety just from someone talking to you. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And I remember just like God just working on my heart to see the potential of redemption and I ended up going, and it, I was able to find just like redeeming moments, redeeming moments where even like specific people that I knew from the past, and even seeing God's growth in them, and seeing their changed heart, they, even like this apologetic, uh, this, uh, this apology uh, nature within them of recognizing things that were wrong. And, and for me, it helped me find closure as well as have different benefits from, uh, from this like free access that I was able to have with, with uh, this bigger church. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Again, if I were to, if I were to experience the same treatment, I was like, I would have come back saying, I told you so. <laughs> but see, what I really believe is that there's those moments in which God is able to really redeem things beyond what we could perceive. But it takes a moment of forgiveness. I want to reiterate, you should not subject yourself to ill treatment. If you don't feel ready to, to confront somebody that, that caused trauma in your life, don't force yourself to. Don't force yourself to. The, the moment will be right. God will help you navigate through that with his grace. Don't try to just, uh, don't, if you're not emotionally ready, don't do it. Okay, I'm not trying to force you to do something you don't want to do. What I am trying to project, though, is that God can redeem anything. Never assume a result without adding the power of God to it first. 
Y'all feel what I'm saying? Now, I want to talk about one last thing, and that is lose to win. Lose to win. Always choose love over pride. Always choose love over pride. Because for Philemon, in order for him to be able to see redemption in this situation, he had to take an L. He had to take an L. And not not having this, uh, like he's really going to make Paul pay him back. <laughs> like Paul literally says, I won't even mention that you owe me your very soul for bringing you to Christ. He's like, I won't even mention that. I'll pay you back. Seriously, I'll pay you back. I won't, I won't bring up any other aspects. And as Paul describes Philemon in the beginning, we know that he's really not going to do that. You could just assume that he's not going to do that. He's already, we know that he's a generous person. We know that uh, that he lets the church meet in his home. He's not going to force Paul to do that. And so in this situation, he has to choose to forgive and let go of being justified. See, isn't that it? Isn't that one of the, the best aspects of unforgiveness? <laughs> Is being able to hold on to feeling justified, knowing that you were right. That's the best part. When you forgive it is truly an act of giving of yourself. When you really forgive someone, you notice that you literally feel like something leaves your heart. <laughs> you literally feel like you are giving something of yourself. And we must understand that it costs every time that you give out forgiveness. It costs you. But to know that it is still an unlimited supply because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have that unlimited supply of forgiveness. And every single time we need to give it out, we're able to find the grace to do it through Him. And there's simply these moments that you have to decide what you really want in the end. Do you want to be right or do you want things to be better? That's hard. It's in those moments that where you have to really go into your heart rather than your ego. I think about almost every fight that I've ever had with my wife, I'm predominantly right. <laughs> I just, I mean, right, Daniel? Yeah, <laughs> just joking. Just joking. <laughs> All these people just tuned off online. <laughs> but see, every single time, we both think that we're right. Every fight is two people experiencing the same situation, but feeling differently about it. And the only way to mend from a fight is humility. But I didn't mean to say it like that. I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. That takes humility, right? Because you're letting go of, yeah, but I'm right. Well, you just shouldn't have said it like that. Just don't, if you, anyone that needs tips of how to like get through a fight, rather than just going back and forth of who's more right. That's really what it turns into, right? It's like a percentage of like, well, yeah, I know I did that wrong, but you still did this. I was like 40% wrong. You were 60% wrong. And that equals the 100% fight that we had. But see, if, if you just stop measuring up to each other and just say, I'm sorry for making you feel like that. That, I feel like most of the times that starts the journey of redemption in the relationship, but you have to be able to detach yourself 
You have to be able to detach yourself from the emotional feelings of being right. <laughs> Let me out of here. <laughs> Those kids are fine. They're fine. Uh, they're, yeah, they're talking to um, See, so you have to let go of the, the emotional feelings of wanting to be right. And I really believe that it takes strength and resolve to be able to make the decisions like that. It takes strength and resolve to be able to make decisions to forgive. And to, to understand that we do not have to make decisions or, or live our lives dependent on how we feel at the moment. I'm really against emotionalism. Emotions are important. Don't get me wrong. God made us emotional beings. Our emotions are valid to a point, but they can also deceive us, and they also can break us. I don't know how many relationships have been broken because of emotional feelings about a situation that really wasn't a big deal. I mean, any married couple that's been in a fight, most of the times those fights are not a big deal, but you just feel extra emotional about it. We have to detach ourselves and look at forgiveness with a sober mind. And when we trust God in these moments of forgiveness, while being un unjustified, it doesn't mean that you have to be someone's doormat. It doesn't mean that you have to keep saying, oh, I'm, okay, I'm wrong, I'm okay, I'm wrong. You, you can still have a mature moving forward through forgiveness and redemption. We are choosing to be made in his likeness every time that we forgive because he first gave that forgiveness to us through Jesus. You know, I, I want to share one last story. Um, I remember in, uh, one of the biggest regrets in my life was a moment that I did not lose to win. And it was when we had um, some foster kids living with us, and it was a really uh, weird situation. But um, to make a long story short, uh, we had found out... Um, we had found out that uh, w uh, one of the kids was um, not, not, they were not just um, doing drugs when they were not supposed to, of course, they were teenagers, but they were also um, abundantly lying <laughs> about, uh, oh, I'm going to go to work and then not going to work and using our car to drive across town to do something they weren't supposed to be doing. And so it was like um, a, a compilation of uh, no-nos and, and um, lying and, and deceit. And also, just like the story with Onesimus, feeling taken advantage of. And even being told that they were taking advantage of. And like, you know when people are emotional and they say things that they don't mean? It was a lot of that. And so, for me, in the moments, I felt really emotional. And how do we as men, uh, how, do we, how do we express our emotions? Through anger, Right? And I remember in the moments, I, I, there's, I didn't do a lot of the things that I really wanted to do at the moment. I remember at, at one moment, that they, were, uh, they decided that they wanted to leave and move out. And I was like, then get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, you you want to leave, then go. There's a lot of that. And I remember a moment in which I was like, the, one of them was making some ramen before they left. <laughs> and, and I thought, the gall. <laughs> and I... I want to let you know that I have, I have gained so much patience because I was one hair away from going and just running up, getting that ramen, dumping it out of the sink, and kicking them out physically. But I, instead, I went to my room to pray. <laughs> and I remember the way that night happened, the night where it all like hit the fan, 
the whole day I knew that it was going to be confronting. The whole day in my mind, I was literally thinking, how can I, how can I discipline them without really disciplining them? Because I didn't want to take a phone away. I didn't want to take the car away. I, I knew that, you know, teenagers will be teenagers. And I wanted to just like, like, how can I show like a te- like discipline without really taking away these freedoms we've given them? Because I wanted them to be able to have those freedoms, but I just wanted them to learn maturity. But in the moment, before I could even get to that spot, I remember the way, often when we get in trouble, we respond wildly with, because we try to deflect, Right? And in the moment of deflection, I got pissed off. <laughs> in the moment where the, 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 the tension started flaring, the emotions and the words started going against. And I remember I no longer was thinking about how could I discipline them in a way without discipline. <laughs> I remember getting just so angry at the thought of I, I've done something nice for you and you spit in my face. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And in that moment, I no longer felt like losing. I felt like being right. And at the end of the day, I could be totally justified in just letting it end there. I'm justified. I did all I could, and you know what? You did that? Whatever. But see, at the end of the day, that's not what I really wanted. And see, my biggest regret is that I allowed myself to just be right. Fine, get out. Fine, go. And now I, I feel like almost every day I regret that day. Almost every day I regret because all I could think about is if I would have just allowed myself to lose that battle, I would still been able to, to, to have that relationship. Because isn't that what really matters most is the relationship with the people that we care about? At the end of the day, no matter what they did, I still care about them. And it hurts knowing that it is, so, it is so hard to find that reconciliation because of me not willing to lose that day. Was I justified? Hell yes. But does it matter at the end of the day? Does it matter? Because I still lost what I really wanted. And that's what I'm saying when I say think about what you really want from that relationship. What is it that you really want? When you're fighting with your spouse, do you really want to be right or do you want to just be able to get, like, be better and move on? Do you really just, uh, don't you want to just be normal with each other? In those moments, like, and you don't even know how to get back there. Forgiveness, it's not that hard to articulate. But what it does take is humility. And I believe that Jesus is the perfect example of how the power of God's redemption can reconcile even the worst situations. Even the worst situations. And that decision was God choosing to love humanity over pride. This is one of the most humble things that God could ever do is to be justified in, in, the, in the sin from Adam and Eve in the garden. To be justified and that, well, humanity did this to themselves. But God truly desires a relationship with us. And so, in a sense, God takes this L in sending Jesus, his son, God incarnated, to pay for our mistakes. And he was willing to be, it says that though he was, uh, though he was 
in glory, he came down in humility for us. See, this is a moment to choose love over pride. A moment where we lose to win. We give of ourselves to really grow of ourselves. That being said, I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. I want us to just have a moment of an attitude of prayer. And next week is Thanksgiving. And I feel like this message is very apt. Because a lot of us are very unsure about the situations we're about to go into with our families. You have been feeling anxious about that relative being there. You've gone back and forth in your mind of whether or not you should just not go. And this message is ending with this idea of lose to win. It really, it's not a loss. It's just a, it's a moment of giving of oneself. There is so much redemption that we're able to find, but it takes forgiveness. And maybe right now in the mo- this moment, you are just realizing this like chasm between you and God. You're not even thinking about other family members. You're, you're thinking about this moment of forgiveness with you and God. And maybe you've been even holding a grudge against God. God has this this incredible extension of grace. And if you're here and you're ready to just find reconciliation with your creator, you know that you need to have a moment where you just, you just make things right with God, where you have this come, come back moment, this grace moment, and you want to have a relationship with him again. Maybe you've never had that before and you want that now. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. So right there to yourself, I want you to just have that conversation with Jesus. See, it's just like any other relationship. In order to find that reconciliation, it it starts with a conversation. That's all prayer is. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. And what it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to him yourself, acknowledge who he is, the son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's all it takes to start that journey with him, to start that reconciliation, to have that redemption moment. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can just have that conversation yourself. Now, while they're doing that, for the rest of you, if you're here and you just feel like, man, God is really working on my heart. There's like specific people you are thinking about right now. That you feel like God is just speaking to you about forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation. It is like abundantly clear. You know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And this is what you needed to hear today. With every head still bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see all your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for you to give the grace that each person needs here. I know it takes, it, it, God, it even takes just a level of faith for us to believe in that redemption being possible. But God, I pray that you just, ex- just empower them with the grace to be able to extend that grace. Help them to, to receive what they need right now to be able to give it out to 
the person that they're thinking about, the people that they're thinking about. And I pray that you just show them how strong you are, Lord, how you can truly turn ashes into something beautiful. And I pray, Lord, that you just do a great work in their lives, in their relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to um, we're going to go into a time of worship. Before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. Have a good life. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed today's message. If you did, there's several different ways to connect. First is by subscribing to our show, leaving a review or a comment. Second is by going to gravetopchurch.com and clicking the get connected tab so that we can connect with you as an individual. And third is if this ministry has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to reach others, then you can give online by clicking the Give tab. Until next time, thank you for being a part of Grave Top Church.